Welcome to the Peace and Purpose Podcast. This podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be considered medical, nutritional, psychological, or any other form of advice. If you need specific advice, please consult a professional. Guys, as promised, we are back this week, and we have something very special for you. I think we led into it last week. We have Mr. David Freeze here. So Chance is going to give you a little bit of introduction about this incredible guy. So Chance, come on. Thank you, Corbin. Well, first off, I'm very excited to speak with David, and it is a pleasure to give this introduction. Um, David Freeze has a fitness resume that includes 93,000 miles ran by his own feet, which include over 20-plus marathons and include the Boston and New York Marathon. Also, 25,000 miles covered on a bike where David has biked across America with many different journeys and credentials that I definitely strive to be anywhere close to. Uh, David is also an author of 10 books, a motivational speaker, an interviewer himself, a personal trainer, and most importantly, a great friend of mine. Uh, So without further ado, I will hand it back over to you, Corbin. All right, guys. So like we talked about, this season is about faith and using faith for fuel to do bold, courageous, someone could consider ridiculous, awesome things. Uh, So... We're going to start off. So, David, tell us a little bit about yourself, like from childhood. Like, were were there any things early on that were game changing for you that sort of made you the person you are? You think? Well, I think that for me, um, two things that really stood out is that I was born on a dairy farm, and we we learned to work. We were always expected to work and even going up through the school years it was uh, uh, just uh, come home see what you're going to be doing that day kind of thing and we've even actually went out to milk cows um, to the down to the dairy farm at uh, about 4 a.m and then you went back to the house and cleaned up before you got on the school bus and then the second thing that stood out to me was um I was born into First Baptist Church in China Grove, and my mother actually worked there as a secretary, so we didn't miss anything that went on in church. That was just, if the doors were open, we were expected to be there, and it it was that way, um, I guess, until I went off to college, and uh, after about, after visiting or uh, being associated with several other churches, I'm back to that church again. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's really the fundamental for you. It is like the 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 work ethic, the the faith based childhood sort of set you up to to be the person you are now, right? I totally agree. Yes. So let's let's cut to the chase here a little bit. So how did you get so in? to biking and running like 93,000 miles running like how did how did this start and and why I have always been interested in sports and as a little kid I couldn't wait to start playing little league baseball and and just kept on with what I could do what I could get away from the farm to do the sports I could play then I became, I guess, after college, very interested in playing a, a pretty good level of softball. We were playing about 100, 110 games a summer. And 
a lot of softball players have bad eating habits. So we're spending the whole summer going to tournaments and staying there for most of the weekend if we do well, but eating a lot of donuts, a lot of buffets, and drinking the wrong kind of drinks, a lot of Pepsis and Cokes and whatever. And so I, uh, one of the big things that stands out for me, I can't remember what year it was, but I can see it happening. I came home, we lost a, uh, the first two games in a tournament. Generally, if you lost two games, you were out. We lost the first two games in a tournament, and I was home by early afternoon with nothing to do. I was expecting to be playing softball through Sunday afternoon. But um, I knew I had been gaining some weight, and I happened to look at myself in the bathroom mirror, and I thought, gosh, you're 30 pounds overweight, and it's going the wrong direction. So you need to do something. And so I started trying to watch my diet a little bit more. And and eventually, with uh, a particular experience of watching the New York City Marathon on TV, that was that same year but a little later in the fall, I watched the New York City Marathon on TV with my wife and we watched it all, the, the three and a half hours of coverage, I think. And I I was just amazed by the all the runners that could run 26.2 miles. So I told her at the end of the thing, you know, I think I could do that. And she said, there's no way you can do it. And she made a a, a big deal out of rolling off the couch laughing. <clears throat> so I put on my basketball shoes that night and went out and ran a mile. And it was uh, up to our, a little school close by called Knollwood School. I ran up, around the parking lot, and ran back. And when I got back to the house, it was all I could do to climb three steps to go into the house. So I got, got in the house, and I thought, this was really hard, but I'm going to keep on doing it. And I knew just after a few days I was feeling better, I was eating better, I wanted to, I wanted to eat better, but I wanted to um, kind of uh, embrace a healthier lifestyle. So each day there was a run of some type, and, and I think in about a month or so I ran my first 5K and then shortly after that my first 8K. In fact, in that 8K I finished 49th out of 50 runners. But I finished. And that's that's something that I've always appreciated is that you got to stick with it. Well, then um, not saying anything to my wife, I applied to the New York City Marathon to get in it. And Lo and behold, I was accepted into the marathon. And so that very next year, one year after watching that on TV, I ran my first marathon in New York City. And she went with me and I think mostly enjoyed the whole experience. But it's, it's, been, it's been on ever since. And just out of curiosity, what is that percentage that you get in in the pool? Oh, my fat percentage or what? No, no, with the marathon. What were the chances that oh, you got in okay. for the pool? I was just out of curiosity. Yeah, it's a it's a lottery uh, system. And at that time, that was in uh, 
that was in 1979 when I did my first one. You were about 20% of the people that applied around the world got in. And there was no such thing as a seating or a qualifying level like there is in Boston. Um, you just were going to be lucky to get in. And, and I did on my very first one. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, man, that, that is awesome. I, th- I think there's a little bit of, a little bit of serendipity even there. The, that, that first thing to capitalize on. So you got more and more into it. So what what was your motivation to do more and more? Like, like I, know, I understand that there's like the physical health and the benefits behind it, but is there something deeper that drives you to do these super difficult things? I love a challenge. I have always loved a challenge. I just, and that's still to this day, I, I guess I I love the physical activity. I love pushing myself to do things. But um, Chance and I used to um, play some sports against each other, and he can't beat me, or he couldn't. <laughs> he couldn't for the longest time. So thank you for the correction. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of things that he could now, but. Uh, uh, we played cornhole, and I just enjoyed so much beating him. But but it's it, any any challenge that of any game, if it was marbles or if it's cutting down a big tree that nobody thinks you can cut down, I, that's just what makes my day. So I want to go and do something that is not expected that I can. That's cool, and like and just the the doing of that lights you up. Like, is that, that's like your thing. Like, you feel most alive doing that? I do. I really do. So I'm curious, what kind of feelings do you have once you accomplish that? Like, once you win that game, once you cut down that tree, what what is the emotion? How would you describe the emotions at, at that point once you accomplish it? When I, just a, a good example is over the last year, we've been doing a, a lot of tree trimming and cutting back limbs so the hay fields here on the farm will produce more. And I've been doing a, a bunch of that standing in the bucket of a front-end loader with a chainsaw going up as high as I can to cut off limbs. And m- nobody would do that, but I do it. And I've been doing it now for about, a, uh, I guess all told, probably about 14 months. And you look back at a 20-acre hay field that now doesn't have limbs hanging over it. It's the most beautiful hay field in the world to me. So I made a difference. It's something that I can see. I wanted to challenge, but then I want the the end result to be something much better as well. So you do take the time to reflect on that too, to see the work you've done? Absolutely. Yeah, I love seeing things that, that that's a lot of farm work is you, um, you can see the result of what you've done, and that's always better. So it seems to me like there there was a real shift getting into your more um, long bike rides and runs. Like, what was the shift that happened? Because, like, it's one thing running an 8K and, like, oh, I exercise and stuff. What makes you go, all right, I'm going to bike across the nation? I remember thinking at that time, this was um, my first bike ride of any distance was in 
2011. And I, I decided to go to the Greenbrier River area of West Virginia. And I, I wanted to go just to experience being outside for several days. This was only a, a three-day ride that totaled about 180 miles, which seems small now, but it was really big at the time. And I, I went uh, in the wintertime to do that. It snowed one day. It rained another day. And the other day it was in 40 degrees, something like that. I just decided that um, I had done a lot of things with running. I had done some things with various sports. But I wanted to do see if I could do something with cycling. And I kind of had an idea from the very beginning that maybe it could be something really long, maybe a, a way for me to see the country. And as soon as I rode those three days in West Virginia on the way home, I, I started thinking, I've got to ride across the country. I've got to ride across America. And that was what ultimately happened in 2013 so were you were you afraid when you when you had the idea to do that like what what was the thought process I think there's a little bit of maybe a a certain amount of anxiety but what I was told from a couple of guys who had done a few of these rides is that you got to get out there you know it's going to be tough and don't give up in the first week because a lot of cyclists who try to ride a long distance, they won't go more than a week or they, if they, the dropout rate for a solo cyclist riding across the country, in other words, having no support from anybody else, you're carrying your tools, you're carrying your food, you're carrying your water, you've got to fix your own flat tire. If you make a wrong turn, you've got to turn around and go back and get on the right track. All of that is you, so it it has to be you willing to keep going and willing to keep hard, keep going at it hard. Um, it's tough days on the road, but the cycling thing for me um, became kind of an extension of my running. I wanted to go see America. That was my big thing. I wanted to go see America, and that's what's culminated in seeing all 50 states now. Gotcha. So, how did you cope with all of the the trials? Because like, we've gotten a little bit of in- information about you, just the trials on your bike ride. Like, I know the traffic, the storms, uh, animals, all these different things. How, how did you how did you navigate that how, with your mindset? Okay. All right. You mentioned just uh, on the last question about um, how I was able to to do it and and I guess a part of that is it do I have any fear of doing it I will admit in the beginning I remember sitting on the plane that was going to fly me to Oregon for the first ride that would ultimately end up being 54 days on the road I sat it on the window seat in that plane thinking have I got myself into something that I can't do and I really worried about that um, but I knew that I, I felt like I, I was in shape to do it and I just wanted to try to go see what the, the next step would be. And I, I guess I told the, 
I've told the story a bunch in my different talks is that I went to the bike shop to pick up the bike and the owner said we better take it out and try it out uh, make sure everything's okay and then come back and tell me so I took the bike um, Anacortes um, Anacortes Oregon is the place where I started and it was it's just a flat Pacific Coast town right on the on a Pacific um, Ocean and the Columbia River. I just thought, well, I, heck, I can I can do this. Till I started riding up the only hill in town, and that hill was only 500 feet. But the bike shop owner said, "You got to try it out on the hill." I struggled to climb that 500 foot hill, and I really then started to think, this may be more than what I can do. But I I came off that hill and I. Um, went back and told him that the bike was fine now I just had to go and go out and do it what's happened with any fear over the the course of all of these rides has been that it being out there and dealing with the situations instills confidence it instills uh, uh, the knowledge that you can think through things or deal with things and I guess that's the um, I'm confident I really am confident when I start any of these rides now there's little that I haven't experienced so far I've had a major wreck I've been chased by a grizzly bear I've survived extreme heat uh, running out of water just a lot of things that most people would give up on I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to be afraid of it either Okay, first off, I got to say that's awesome. I, I know all these stories too because I've read the majority of these books, but um, hopefully listeners are, are getting that insight as well of how courageous you've been through these moments. Um, I wanted to circle back on a specific question. So you had mentioned a lot of cyclists will have that week period where they might be able to make it a week, but that's where they turn around. Did you experience something similar? And if so, can you talk us through that experience? I had one particular experience that I remember on that first ride. The When you start pedaling along the Oregon coast on the Pacific Ocean, it's very much up and down, and it, it makes you realize right away it's, there's going to be a lot of climbing on this trip, and some of them are stout climbs, really serious. So I was having that going on, and... Finally, after about three days, I got off the Oregon coast and started climbing up into the Oregon high plains or desert is what they call them. I was uh, I was struggling in the beginning, and I, it was not as easy as I thought it would be. I'll admit that I felt like my legs were in good enough shape that I could go up some of these early hills better than I did. But there was one particular afternoon, it was about it was about six or seven days into it, I was caught in a terrible storm, a really bad storm. But the lucky thing was that I was able to go into a McDonald's and kind of wait it out. Well, then I went out again to get on the bike, and here's another huge cloud coming. 
You could just tell it's going to be major wind and major rain. I got on the, I decided, well, I can't go back in. I got to go ahead and start riding. There was about, um, I think it was about 20 more miles to the next town. And I thought, this is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. What happened was the wind became a tailwind, and it pushed me really fast to that next town. I realized on that day that no matter what happened, I had already experienced the worst of the storm, and I got help from the next part of the storm. I really realized on that day that I could do this, I could do this, and actually called a friend at home that night and said, I, you know, I can do it. I'm going to make it. I knew it at seven days in to what ended up being 54 days. Wow, that that's incredible. Um, so was there anybody when you were starting out doing this, it was just like, David, you've lost your mind? Oh, yeah, that, and that still goes on. I met a lady in the grocery store the other day, and she said, are you going on one of those bike rides this summer? And I said, I am. And she said something like, well, People just got to understand how crazy you are. And I said, I don't think I'm crazy. I just think I want to see things. I'm excited about seeing America and challenging myself. But yes, that those those comments do happen quite often. I feel like maybe our her thoughts for crazy are our thoughts for getting out of our bubble or pushing ourselves to that next step, which clearly you've done multiple times. And it, it seems like the reward is amazing. Um. I wanted to circle back to one thing. So your first book is titled Lord Ride With Me. Can you dig into, because, you know, we're talking a lot about faith and the boldness and the courageous that come, courageousness that comes from that. Can you talk us through where you got that title and kind of your experiences with it? Okay. Well, I, I can tell you this. When I get done with a particular ride, I come home and I go back and forth with the editors of the book and other people that are involved about what the title is going to be for that particular book. Well, this was on the first ride, the very first long-distance ride, the cross-country ride that was Pacific Ocean to Atlantic Ocean. As soon as I climbed that little hill after picking up the bike from the bike shop, I was really concerned because I had to, I, I struggled on 500 feet and I was going to climb over 12,000 just a few days later. So I went back to the, the room and I put 40, 50 more pounds of gear on that bike and I'm thinking now it's going to be even harder to climb. So I, I sat down, I'd loaded the bike up, I sat down in the motel room and I went back in and I prayed. I said, Lord, ride with me today. And I don't know where that came from, exactly how the words came out. But when they did, they resonated with me that that's what I was doing. I had a co-writer. I had the best co-writer I could possibly have. So what happened was I got on that bike and I, or I made what I wanted to do, the distance I wanted to make that first day. And I I guess I continued to have it with the next morning doing the very same thing, saying, Lord, ride with me today. And I, I build it up. I, I say, Lord, I, you, you've got to, you, if you'll go with me, everything will be all right. And so far with those, some of those really 
heavy-duty things that have happened to me, the Lord has been with me. I, um, I, I wouldn't want to do it any other way. I can't imagine not having faith and doing these challenges. It's just, it's, it's just a comforting thing, a confidence builder. I just feel like I can, I can do what it takes. I'm never, I, I have never turned back. Like I've, I've come to closed roads and flooded roads and um, rocky places to ride a bike on and I've gone forward I have never turned back so when you're out there and you're in the middle of a ride or a difficult situation like in the moment there's a storm coming up you know my legs are killing me you know whatever it may be there's a there's a terrible wind what what's what are you actually like what's your state of mind what 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 actually happens to you? Because it has to put you in some sort of different state, right? It does. I, I can think of a particular experience that happened a couple rides ago. I can't remember exactly what state I was in, but one of the two or three worst storms that I had ever experienced just... I, could, I saw it coming for miles, but there was no place to get out of it. And I was, uh, I just was not afraid. And I, I came, I kept riding along, and I, I was looking for a place, any place where I could kind of get out of the storm. The area that I was in didn't have cell coverage, but it did have a weather alert. The weather alert came in. It said there's a tornado in your area seek shelter well there was not a house Uh, all there was was some trees that were not in very good shape and i didn't want to get close to them anyway then suddenly there was a church a little church on the right and it was it set off the road about 200 feet on a dirt road i took the bike um it, it was it was really raining heavy and the wind was probably somewhere between 40 and 50 miles an hour, and lightning was around. So I, I turned into that road, and I slipped on the on the road a little bit, kind of had to gather my balance back up, but I, I went as quickly as I could to this little tiny overhang at the front of the church and put my bike and, and me both as much in the dry as I could get. And I felt, okay, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm going to be great. I'm, I'm here at a church. Just a little bit later, this guy pulls up in a pickup, and I don't know where he came from. There was almost no traffic that day. He pulls up, and he says, well, you need to get out of this storm. He wasn't offering to take me anywhere, so I, I said, no, sir, I'm fine. I'm right where I want to be. And it's turned out just like it always has. The storm eventually went away. I was fine and was able to resume the ride. Yeah, that's really neat. I I always think of it like with the faith thing as as I've come to this. It's like we have a sphere of influence of like things that we can affect or control, you know. And it sounds like on on a bike ride, you were just putting yourself in a particularly vulnerable situation for all the things you cannot control. Do you think that that experience just built your 
ability to rely on God and to, and to like to let go of stuff like like the saying let go and let God like did that just just lock down with you doing this stuff because it seems like it would it would have to really yes it, it, the, every morning when I get up I have a plan a sort of plan about what I want to do that day and every single time that plan changes. Uh, either you end up going a different way, a storm comes along, extreme heat affects the ride, whatever. But um, I just know that as long as I have the best co-rider possible, I'm going to be okay. I just don't. I just don't worry about it. I I listen to other cyclists. Some of them won't even start out in a morning that's expected to have bad weather. I say I'm going, and I and I know I'll be fine. It's just it it's proven that way over and over. Gotcha. So, have these experiences shifted your perspective on other areas of your life? Like, has it has it affected you know your relationship with people? Has it affected any, anything to that magnitude? I think the what it's done the most for me was that my confidence is sky high. I just I just think that I can do just about anything that I want to. I know that there are limitations, but I look at things that other people wouldn't even start, and I, I want to go do them. Anything, anything that's somewhat fitness-related, I'm willing to try it. I've had a lot of good success with that, but I, I just I think the biggest one single word that I've taken from all this is confidence, and I, I believe that that that's with me now forever. It that won't change. I, uh, when you look out, when you look up a really tall mountain with a ten to fourteen percent grade, and you got to lug yourself and that bicycle and all the stuff you're carrying with you to get to the top of that thing, and it, it might be a hundred degrees at a time. You just keep plugging, and it, and then good things will happen. Yeah, it really sounds like you've made peace with challenges. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. that's cool because I find that in life people tend to look at challenges as the biggest inconveniences, but in your case, you chase them. I do. Which which is which is a mind boggling way to think about things because generally it seems like challenges and inconveniences, which is sound what a, a nationwide bike ride sounds like to me as a as a general summary yeah. um those are the things that generally people say they weight them down and like they're the things that pull them to the earth and that's what they want to try to avoid but it seems to me like you've really found the pleasure in the challenges and that's sort of a pretty profound thing i'd say i'm just curious this is kind of a general question what has been the most rewarding thing that has come from all of these trips and all the success that you've had? That's a great question. And I, I'm going to come to, I'm going to struggle with coming up with the, the very best answer. But um, right away when I, I came back after that first trip, the local newspaper, the Salisbury Post, had somewhat sponsored a trip they paid a lot of a lot of the expenses that i had and then they had a reception when i came home so a lot of people 
came to the reception and they signed a map of the of the route and invariably as I talked to those people afterwards and then more and more so after the other trips and uh, particularly after the run across North Carolina all of all of those things open other people's horizons I think they say well gosh, if he can do that, then I can do a little bit more than what I've been doing. So the the motivation thing that I try to provide is find your dream and then go do it. Go do some portion of it. I, I try to include a version of, of that statement with every talk that I do is don't don't give up on your dreams. People will tell me, I, I wanted to go to California sometime, but I never got there. I wanted to see the Grand Canyon, but I never got there. Well, then go. Why do you think people get stuck at that point? Like, what do you think just holds them back? I think that it's the first step. If they, it's, it's the way I, what I say to a lot of my coaching clients, the first step is the hardest one. It's easier to sit in your chair and make excuses about why you can't do it than make the first step going forward to do it. So I, I always tell my coaching clients the first step is the hardest one and every step afterwards gets easier. So you think it's really the avoidance of discomfort? Yes. And do, you, and do you think that's the same case with stepping out of running, like with going to the Grand Canyon, like you were saying? Like, do you think that there's a similar like discomfort that comes with that? I do. I do. I think that a lot of people, they enjoy being who they are, but they they don't open or they don't cut away the limitations that they see themselves held back by. And that's what I try to tell them. In fact, we did a presentation at the local library two or three years ago. was find your dream and then live it. And we had a really good turnout. And I don't know how many of those people did actually do that, but that's what I try to tell them is that um, some version of that dream, you can do it. Maybe you can't. You you probably can't climb Mount Everest but you can you can go to Nepal and you can see Mount Everest up close and you can go to a base camp most anybody can do that but there's some version of most everything that you can do and you can just push yourself out of that box that you see as limitations and I have a follow-up question did you ever imagine what it would be like where you're at now when you were making that trip to Oregon in the plane and you were having some of those fears I can imagine I'm visualizing it you're flying over what you're probably going to be biking back back to so um did you ever imagine what it would be like once you accomplished it I guess the easiest thing on that one would be to go back to the first trip I I imagined in a very small way, what it would be like if I could finish that very first cross-country trip with the, 
54 days and more than 4,000 miles, but I couldn't really look at what it would be like without having completed it. Then I realized that everything it had taken, all the discomfort, all the challenges along the way started to make me more into the person that I've become, which is that more confident person. Um, I just... In the beginning, I couldn't even visualize what it would be like to be done with that trip. But now, after having done several of them, I've, I think I have a pretty good idea of what this next one, like this next one that's coming up, it's going to be very hot. It's going to be through a challenging area with few supply points, and I, I know some tricks now that I've used before, and I'll get through it. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I really want this season to inspire people to do is to step out of their box. Because it seems like we all just put ourselves in these little boxes and we say, okay, this is what I'm doing. Okay, I'm an accountant and I have two kids and that's that's the extent of what my life is. And I, I think giving people the activation energy to step out and have that discomfort as opposed to, to staying like a recluse in life whenever we, it's it's not that long anyway. So yes. I think that's really awesome and inspiring. So what made you write the books? I, I'm, uh, when I was, when I got my master's, I, um, the company I was working for at the time was willing to pay for me to get a master's as long as I got it in a, I got a degree that would be good for the organization. And, I didn't realize that getting a master's involves so much writing. There were um, there were classes that I had that your final grade depended on a twenty-page paper, and I've, I'd never done that before. And um, I used I went to two different colleges to finish up. I finished up at Catawba College, but then when I decided to try to get my master's, I thought, well, it'd be more of the same. It'll be a lot of test and uh, knowing that um, I had to learn the material and to do well with the test but once you get into uh, getting a master's you have to do a lot of writing and your writing has to get reasonably good to get a, a good grade so I realized right away I love this I love writing I'd never felt that way before but I, I loved it and then I started by really a lot of luck. I ended up writing for our local newspaper. But for me, if if you write it down afterwards, it really happened. That's just so cool because um, I one of the things that happens, if I go on a really long ride, I forget which town something special happened in if I didn't write it down. Let's say if I'm in Wyoming and I pass through six different towns, but in one of them, uh, a black bear stood up next to the road and, and kind of shot me, I think, now what town was that? Or what was that close to? But if I record it, it really happened. And then I can come back and and keep that um, either to use in another book or um maybe even a newspaper story but i just feel like if you if you write it down 
it's a part of you and then it's it it's, it's there for somewhat for eternity anybody who wants to read it can read it and um when I forget about the that little town again, it'll still be in one of those books. And occasionally I go back and read through one of the books again just to uh, kind of bring myself back up to date about uh, what happened in this uh, in Rawlings, Wyoming, that kind of stuff. And it, that was a really special little occurrence there. But I had to go back the other day as a part of this last book and, and get my facts together again so I could finish writing that chapter. I think that I just, and I just had a recent conversation, and correct me if you disagree, but I think you're leaving a legacy of such inspiration through this, especially with the books and the writing and the verbiage for people in the future to continue to inspire. So I think that's that's awesome. I I had one more question for you that I I kind of know the answer to this because I have read into your books, but I would love for the listeners to hear this. Can you walk us through the moment when you realize maybe not you're dipping your tire into the Atlantic Ocean, but when you realize I'm gonna make it, I'm confident, I'm almost there. Can you describe that moment when you knew you were gonna make it? <clears throat> I think one of the the best scenarios to talk about that with was that I was fortunate to be inspired by another person to run across North Carolina, and that was a something I had never considered. But this person was actually dying of leukemia, and he called me to go to his hospital room or told me that he was going to be in his hospital room and uh, when I got there we talked some and he said I got something I want to ask you about he said I I fulfilled nearly every goal I've ever had but one there's one thing that I didn't do and now I can't do it but you can so will you run across North Carolina and he said, I'll try to go with you as much as I can. In other words, I'll, I'll try to be in your thoughts. I'll try to communicate with you. And I, I said, you know, that's a long way because it's 600 miles. And I had never really thought about it till that moment. But as soon as I left out of that hospital room, even before I got back to my vehicle, I realized from all these other trips that I could do virtually anything. It's just little pieces that have come together like a puzzle that you realize that you can do these things. It was maybe one thing on one trip, another thing on another trip. But I, I can't say that it was one particular thing, but my again, my confidence has just given me the ability to... Um, to jump into things and <clears throat> say, yes, I, I can do that. So I, I called that person back that night. His name was Ed Dupree, and he used to be the sports, um, sports editor at the Salisbury Post. And I told him, Ed, I'm going to do it. And, 
And he was so happy. And then I got to see him again after I had done the trip. And he was he was in hospice at that time and had has lost his ability to communicate. But and that was an incredible connection that um, if I had been in another place, I would have said, well, gosh, the farthest I've ever run is 26 miles. I couldn't possibly average that much a day for for a long period of time going across a state in the wintertime. But after getting to the place that I've been with these other rides, I, I knew that day I could not do it. It was just another thing that had to be done. Wow. So, David, I've got two more questions for you, and they're going to be sort of together. Okay. What do you view as your purpose in life now, from from now, from now on? And if you could tell people one thing, say one thing you would you would put on a billboard, what would it be? I think that what has developed it, <clears throat> over many years, I've worked in various levels of, of management jobs and had a great time and really enjoyed that. But I had the opportunity after working at the YMCA and getting the um, being one of those people that was downsized at the Y, <clears throat> I was at a, kind of a crossroads. I thought, um, what do I do? What do I do now? I remember going out here in the barnyard and parked my truck out in the barnyard, and I just kind of leaned across the hood, and I started thinking, this was before any of this stuff started. I said, I got to go have fun. I got to go have fun, and I got to go live some dreams. Because I had this farm. Everything was paid for. I wanted to do something really good, and that's how I got started. I think the the legacy maybe that's come from that is I was willing to go out and and push myself, challenge myself, do things that, maybe will inspire people to to dream and then go act on that dream. And and I'm just curious cuz I'm curious with Corbin's question in the billboard posts that you would that you would put up if if you had a full billboard and you had a phrase what would it be? It would be something like never stop dreaming. Great. Great man. We, we really appreciate you coming on here. T- tell people where they can find you. Okay, well, you can always email me at uh, david.freeze at ctc.net. I put that in all my books. Um, books are All my books are at amazon.com and Barnes & Noble. Uh, best place is probably Amazon. There are a lot of local bookstores and other places around here in Piedmont, North Carolina, too. But... Uh, um, I just love to hear from people. One of the best things that happens is when I go on one of these trips, I start getting emails from all over the world, and it's wonderful. I get I I will have done a hundred mile day, pedaled in on my last available energy. Uh, go find some food somewhere, sit down, get ready to write a, a story for the Salisbury Post, which is another thing that I still do. 
and then I'll start checking my emails and here's somebody from gosh Saskatchewan Canada who wants to know about how close was that bear really and I, so uh, <laughs> you just feel free to contact me in the back of all my books is the um is my email address and i just love to hear from you always anything to do with any of these adventures and challenges i'm happy to talk about it wonderful well guys we're going to have all of david's books linked in the description below and we are going to put all of his contact stuff in there so if you guys do want to reach out we greatly encourage you especially if you want to be inspired so thank you all chance do you have any closing remarks i do i just want to say we truly appreciate the time um we truly appreciate all the insight that you've provided. Um, this has been valuable to me. I have personally, you know, with our relationship, I've heard a lot of these stories, but it's always wonderful hearing them again, learning more about you. And y'all, please just take take this as inspiration to follow your dreams. And please reach out to David and let him know the change if he's made in your life. Um, so with that, we truly thank you. Uh, I look forward to putting this on air and letting listeners um, enjoy it. So, Great. All right, guys. So next week, we're going to be bringing on another guest. So you guys get ready. We're going to keep you on your toes. We're going to surprise you every week. But um, until then, we love you. We, have, we hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. If you are enjoying or benefiting from our show and you'd like to spread the love, you can do so by subscribing, downloading, and telling your friends and family about us, especially if you feel that they could benefit as well. Also, if you'd like to access our show notes, which includes any resources that we may speak about during the show, you can do so by clicking the down arrow, the details button, or the abridged paragraph, depending on the platform from which you are listening. We want to thank you for your continued support. We really appreciate it. The Peace and Purpose Podcast is a participant in the Amazon Services LLC Associates Program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide means for creators to earn advertising commissions by advertising and linking to Amazon.com and its affiliated sites. Thank you for joining us on the Peace and Purpose Podcast. See you next week.